Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Ah, I'm good. Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm great, Bill. I know you had a a busy week this week. You had your seminars this past Wednesday. That's always a a busy time around the office. Well, it is, and it's it's fun. I, I, I really enjoy teaching and trying to help people understand fairly complex things. And if I can simplify it or at least give people a pretty good understanding of how things work and how they can use rules to help themselves and help them help their families. Um, that's a good thing. So, uh, you know, as you know, I do that every month on the second Wednesday. Uh, and uh, I would encourage folks, you know, if you missed this last one, uh, and of course most of you missed it, uh, although we had a good crowd, um, that uh, consider signing up. Uh, they, you know, we have... Um, the one, uh, our first one, uh, normally talk, talks about uh, long-term care and not just how expensive it is, but how uh, middle-class families can receive uh, government assistance. And of course, veterans have another way of, of uh, getting some assistance as well for long-term care. Uh, and then we also uh, do a program on um uh, trusts and and particularly asset protection and of course that's uh, some for some folks both uh, but both webinars are extremely helpful but, um, but anyway I'd encourage folks to look at that so anyway uh, life is good we're still here mid-august you know it's it's like uh, the summertime is is uh, waning if you will Although the weather's not, <laughs> you know, it still feels like summer. And for, for uh, of course, um, for those folks with uh, school-aged children, they're they're having to get ready to go back to school. Uh, but for the rest of us empty nesters, <laughs> it's still summertime, which is a good thing. But it's too hot to be out there right now. You know, eleven o'clock is. Uh, a great time to be inside in the air conditioning listening to a radio show. <laughs> That's right. We've got a, a lot that we're going to cover today, and hopefully folks can yeah. walk away and learn some cool things. And the first thing that we're going to be starting out speaking about today, and that's going to be tax shelters. Well, you know, uh, one estate planning goal that many of us have is to have an estate plan where the government gets as little as possible. In, in other words, where we're able to keep our money and not pay it to the government in taxes. So obviously reducing or eliminating any tax liability uh, is an important goal in asset protection because once you don't give the government, you at least get to keep and hopefully protect it from other folks that want to take it away from you. I mean, that's what asset protection is. But, you know, the, the government is our biggest creditor, if you get right down to it, because we uh, all of us have to give the government something. <laughs> And of course, uh, I'm not just talking about the federal government because we have federal taxes, but we also have state and local taxes as well. 
and so anything that we can do to reduce our tax liability uh, is a good thing. Now, quite frankly, there are very few, what we would call tax shelters left for normal folk. <laughs> you know, for those folks who've been keeping up with uh, some of the new legislation that's coming out of Congress, you, you might have heard where they did not close the loophole for uh, hedge fund managers where, you know, the rich uh, folks who invest in hedge funds and the hedge funds can pay less capital gains tax because of a loophole in the, you know, we, you know, most normal folks don't get those kinds of tax shelter uh, benefits, but, you know, there's a lot of things like that in the tax code that don't apply uh, to the great majority of us who have to pay our income tax and other taxes as well. So um, what are the remaining tax shelters? And the, the good news is, or another good thing, is all of these tax shelters that I'm going to talk about this morning are also asset protected. So they're not just protected from the government. They're also protected from other creditors as well, at least in North Carolina. And to some degree, uh, they're uh, also protected uh, federally, but not completely. So we'll talk about that. So what are the tax shelters that I want to mention? And, and uh, for, for many of you uh, who listen to the show, and you're well-educated, of course, <laughs> that uh, these will be things that I have talked about um, before, but I'm trying to put them together so that folks realize um, how valuable they can be to a family member. So I want to talk about a, a great little tax shelter that most people don't take advantage of but should, and that's called a health savings account. Now, if you're a senior who doesn't have uh, a health savings account, and by senior, and I apologize for this reference, but if you're on Medicare, you're a senior. <laughs> okay. So in essence, it's too late for you, but it's not too late for your children and grandchildren. Um, what else is out there other than a health savings account? Well, Roth IRAs are another tax-sheltered investment that can be extraordinarily helpful to us. I'll talk about that. And another one that a lot of folks don't think of necessarily as a tax shelter but clearly is is life insurance, uh, particularly life insurance uh, that uh, whole life insurance that has cash value with it. Uh, and, and so what I'm getting at is, as opposed to term life insurance, uh, which has no cash value and expires when we get older. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And then another one, particularly for young children, uh, is life insurance that is designed more for the, the growth of cash value inside the policy. Another fantastic tax-sheltered investment uh, for families. So uh, anyway, those are the tax shelters that I want to talk about this morning. 
that can really help us a lot. So, uh, Jason, do I do I have enough time to get into the first one, or do we need to take a break? Well, let's go ahead and get into the first one. Okay. So the first one is a health savings account. Now, uh, I'm uh, how who is uh, who can do it? Not everybody, but most of us can. Now, the the folks who are el- now the first thing anybody needs to know is if you have a high deductible uh, health insurance plan, then you are potentially eligible. Uh, Now, who's excluded? (laughs) The the folks who are excluded are obviously those folks who don't have a high deductible health insurance plan and also a big group, anyone who is on Medicare cannot contribute to a health savings account. Now, also, uh, military folks who are on TRICARE or retire, military retirees on TRICARE for Life, uh, those folks are also in, excluded from uh, contributing to a health savings account. Now, just because you're excluded from contributing doesn't, you know, because you're a senior and you're on Medicare, for instance, that doesn't mean that you could not have contributed to it for 20 years prior to that uh, and keep the health savings account that you've accumulated and haven't spent. So uh, why are, uh, so that's, that's the main thing. And of course, the other thing is you can't contribute that much each year, uh, but you can, you know, this year, 2022, um, a, a person who's not excluded can contribute up to $3,650 for a single person. And if it's a family plan, you can actually contribute up to $7,300. Um, so uh, now, also, if you're over 55, but not on Medicare and not on TRICARE, then you can add a thousand dollars to it. So a single person would be at forty six fifty, and a and a, a family plan would be eighty three hundred rather than seventy three hundred. So those are pretty nice numbers that a lot of us can afford. And the first thing I would tell you is that if you have a high deductible uh, health insurance plan, it's far better for you to contribute to that first than to a traditional retirement account, like a 401k. The only exception for that might be a 401k plan that your, uh, that your employer matches. You know, obviously that is sort of a no-brainer if you can double your money because of, of the employer match. But otherwise, the HSA, the health savings account, is a um, is actually a more advantaged uh, tax shelter investment uh, than uh, a uh, any kind of four hundred one k or IRA. So those are pretty important things. So why is now I have to say that a health savings account is very different from a flexible spending account, which is also a health 
type of account. The difference is a flexible spending account must be used in the same year that you contribute to it. Not so with a health savings account. With an HSA, it can be invested. It grows income tax-free. It's also important for folks to understand that when it comes out, it is uh, it, 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 it it's um, like a, an IRA contribution. It is uh, comes out tax free, so you're not paying income tax on the contribution. See, that's what makes a Roth a little more difficult because Roth you have to pay the income tax on it when it goes in. Same thing is true for life insurance. You have to pay the income tax on it when it go, when the premium goes in for the policy. Not true for an HSA. It's, it goes in income tax-free. It accumulates income tax-free. And it pays out income tax-free if you use it for a qualified medical expense. Well, the qualified medical expenses are innumerable. I mean, you can use it for co-pays, deductibles, health insurance, or long-term care premiums. You can use it it for long-term care expenses when you're uh, older and need assistance. You can use it for dental. You can use it for uh, eyeglasses. You can use it for hearing aids. You can use it for drugs. I mean, it, bottom line is these are expenses all of us have. Now, not all of us need hearing aids, uh, but most of us, I mean, tr- truthfully, all men do. All you have to do is listen to your wife, and she'll tell you you need hearing aids. <laughs> but the fact is that uh, that these are expenses that all of us have. So isn't it better to, to use tax-free money, in other words, money you have not paid income tax on, to pay for that rather than money you've had to pay tax income tax on? Well, to me, that's a no-brainer. And so the HSAs have advantages over any other Uh, kind of tax-sheltered investment. Now, the other thing is, as I've already mentioned, you can keep it, you know, once you're on Medicare, you can still have whatever account, it can still accumulate. And so the best situation is to be able to accumulate it over many, many years. Now, let's say that you've accumulated it and you you have $50,000 somehow in a health savings account. I don't know how you can do that. But if you you got $50,000, and you don't need it for health things. Well, you can actually take your money out like you would a regular retirement account, pay income tax on it, just like you would with a regular uh, retirement account, and use it for anything. But if you use it for a qualified medical expense, then no income tax on it. So it goes in income tax-free, and for a a qualified medical expense, it comes out out income tax-free. There's nothing better than that. And plus it accumulates income tax-free. That's a tax-sheltered investment. So if you're on Medicare and it's too late for you and you want to do something for your children or grandchildren, almost everybody's on an HSA, I mean, could have an HSA. Why? 
have you does anybody have a health insurance plan that that doesn't have a deductible of $1400? You know, most people think high deductible means $5000 or $4000. No, high deductible for HSAs is defined as for a single plan $1400. For a family plan, the deductible is $2800. So Almost all of us have high deductible health plans now, uh, whether it's through an employer or, or whether you buy it individually. And so the point is, is that most people today, if you're not retired or military, you can contribute to an HSA. And I would just tell you that that's the first thing you should be contributing to if you can. It, it, to me, that's a no-brainer. That's great advice, and I think most people would maybe not consider the HSA as the first thing that they should contribute to. And, you know, this is just part of the educational aspect of asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. As Bill mentioned, he has free monthly webinars that he does covering long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, September 14th. Be sure to go to WGALaw.com to learn more. That's where you can go to register, and that's where you can find information about attending. It's free to do so. These are all highly educational webinars at no cost to you. There's zero cost to attend. It's free, free to register. Head on over to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to see him by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com, that's also where you can find information about Bill's free webinars. Bill's next set of webinars are happening on Wednesday, September 14th. Just had a set this past weekend or this past Wednesday. So thank you for everyone who attended. If you missed your chance and want to attend the September webinars, be sure to head to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. If you want to learn more about Medicare and uh, Medicaid, excuse me, and government assistance that may be available to you for long-term care costs, as well as asset protection and trust planning. These are wonderful free educational opportunities for you. Head on over to WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're having a discussion about tax shelters. You mentioned three of them. You just covered health savings accounts, but we still need to dive into the Roth IRA and whole life insurance. Well, the other, um, I need to go back to health savings accounts uh, for a moment uh, before I leave that, because it's such an important potential benefit to families or to individuals. And they're I failed to mention that there is another group of folks who are ex- excluded from being able to contribute to uh, an HSA. And that uh, group uh, would be th- those uh, children who are dependents. And so the bottom line is if you are a dependent, 
uh, on somebody else's tax return. Now, I'm not talking about a spouse. I'm only talking about children. Uh, but if, if somebody is taking you as a dependent, then you cannot contribute to an HSA for that child. Uh, it's a shame because, you know, the earlier you can set up a health savings account, the more it can grow. And, and so the, the real key is when a child goes out on their own and they're no longer a dependent, you know, they're through school and you can't take them off on your taxes anymore, that's when you need to start an, uh, an HSA. And, and you say, well, why? And the real key is this. Number one, uh, uh, when you can contribute to it income tax-free and it grows income tax-free, uh, you know, young people tend not to have uh, very much in healthcare costs. So obviously, the more you can contribute when you're not using it for healthcare costs and it can grow, the more it can grow. Because any mathematician uh, <laughs> or engineer can tell you about the power of growth. The earlier that you can contribute and it can grow income tax free, the more money you're going to have at the end of the day for when you get older and you really do have a lot of health care expense. You know, but even young people uh, often, I mean, I had eyeglasses uh, when I was in fifth grade. <laughs> so, not, I'm now, and I, if my parents had been on a family plan, of course, HSAs didn't exist back in the dark ages, but it's, uh, but I'm just saying that if, if my parents were on a, family plan and I had eyeglasses that needed to be, even though personally I couldn't contribute when I was in fifth grade to an HSA, my eyeglasses would be a, an expense that my parents could use their HSA on and it would be uh, uh, money that was not taxed going in and not taxed coming out. So there's nothing better than a health savings account. And you know, there's one other thing, too. You don't have to be employed by a company that provides an HSA as a benefit program. Anybody, an individual who has a high deductible health plan can actually create an HSA on their own. It's really just a matter of finding a good HSA custodian, which often... Uh, your bank uh, or other, there are other institutions out there that you can use as an individual. And of course, employers should set these up too uh, for as an employee benefit. That's sort of a no-brainer if you have health insurance. And of course, a lot of employers don't have health insurance anymore, but those who do should automatically be setting up an HSA for their employees. But for the rest of us who I mean, whether you're employed, whether your employer provides it or not, or you're and uh, you work for yourself, if you have a high deductible health plan, then it's a no-brainer to to contribute to your HSA first before, and then the rest can go into your retirement account. <laughs>
Very good. And don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill. Schedule an appointment to see him. You can also learn more about his free webinars happening on Wednesday, September 14th. These happen the second Wednesday of every month. So Wednesday, September 14th is when the next set of webinars will be happening. If you want to learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and financial assistance that may be available for you for the cost of long-term care. This is a wonderful free opportunity for you to learn more about uh, a pretty complicated and complex field. But as you hear, Bill has a way of taking some pretty complex subjects and putting them in a way that we can all understand. Bill also has an afternoon webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. If you want to learn more about that, Again, go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. All you need is a device with an internet connection and an email address, and you're good to go. WGALaw.com to learn more. Or you can call the office, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by heading over to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website where you can schedule an appointment to see him or learn more about his free monthly webinars. The next set of webinars are happening on Wednesday, September 14th. If you would like to learn more about long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning, that's where you want to go. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button to learn more or call the office, 919-256-7000. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and this morning we're having discussion about tax shelters, ways that we can maximize the amount of money that we're not giving to the federal government. And Bill, we have, we've talked a lot about health savings accounts, and you mentioned that you do want to talk about Roth IRAs. What do we well, need to know about Roth IRAs? Absolutely. Well, any kind of retirement account it is, in essence, tax-sheltered, uh, because uh, a regular 401k, uh, 403b, uh, self-directed uh, IRA, uh, you know, the bottom line is one of the nice things about it is is that when you contribute to a regular IRA, uh, it comes out of your income, uh, income tax-free, uh, and it grows income tax-free. So that's nice. Unfortunately, however, when you take money out of a regular uh, retirement account of any kind, uh, you will pay ordinary income tax. Uh, and what that means is you don't get any benefit for capital gains. Everything is, is taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Uh, and for those folks who have large retirement accounts, then minimum distributions can be pretty high. And that makes a big difference in terms of increasing income tax in later years. So uh, th- those can be, um, you know, significant things. However... Uh, Roth IRAs, um, the, the only negative to a Roth, well, I say 
there are two negatives. Number one, you're limited uh, while you're working as to how much you can contribute to a Roth. Uh, and so that's a shame. However, uh, the other side of it is, is that money that goes into a Roth is taxed the year in which you make that contribution. So um, and now, uh, who should absolutely contribute to a Roth? Well, clearly the best time to contribute to a Roth is when you start working and you're young, uh, uh, when your income tax rate is low. I mean, it's sort of a no-brainer, but early money gets to grow exponentially, uh, and you end up with a whole lot more money than money that's contributed later in life. So the more money that you can put into a Roth uh, at uh, in your early years of working, the better. That's one of the reasons why this, this is an area where anyone that has W-2 income, in other words, they clearly have income from which they can, uh, uh, even if they're 17 years old and have a part-time job, if they have a W-2, you can contribute. Uh, and this is where parents and grandparents can come into play to help a child get started with a very powerful retirement account. And so from my, from my own perspective, for those folks who are eligible, not dependents, HSAs would be the first money. And then the second for the parent or grandparent trying to help a child who's not even thinking about retirement, they're thinking about money for dates, money for cars, money for gas, uh, everything. Or maybe if they're really mature, money for college expenses. <laughs> but the fact is, is that young people aren't thinking about retirement when that is the very best time to help them contribute to what, in essence, uh, uh, may, may end up being a retirement account for them uh, that can be a significant uh, help to them uh, in later years. Um, so, uh, you know, as we know, Roths, as after you contribute to it and you've paid the tax on the contribution, the income tax, it grows like a weed. It grows income tax-free. And the real blessing of a Roth is it pays out income tax-free. Now, you know, the other significant uh, factor that's changing the way we need to look at regular retirement accounts is the fact that when our retirement accounts end up in the hands of our children or grandchildren, they only have 10 years to take it out. So what I'm getting at is that's under the SECURE Act, which was a way Congress uh, uh, made uh, the, these accounts taxable sooner so they would have more money to spend up there in Washington. Uh, so the bottom line, though, is that let's say you got, uh, and I see this regularly, let's, let's say you have $500,000 in a retirement account, regular retirement account, going to a child, well, uh, over 10 years, if, if they're mature enough to spread it out, you're going to have over $50,000 a year that they have to take out, uh, and normally that's going to put them into a higher tax bracket. And, they, you know, obviously nobody likes to pay more income tax than they would have to otherwise. And oftentimes our children 
who receive these accounts are in their very highest earning years. You know, that that's unfortunate, but it's just the way it works. And so uh, sometimes it might make more sense to leave some of that retirement account to charity or some of that retirement account to grandchildren rather than children because of the tax um, rates involved in, in terms of how you do that. So those are considerations, but Roths are clearly helpful uh, investments that families will appreciate because there's no required minimum distribution for Roth um, so that you don't have to take it if you don't need it. And if you do need it, then there's no income tax. And for the children who inherit a Roth, which is greatly appreciated, they can leave it in the account for 10 years let it grow, 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 grow for 10 years, hopefully doubling in value, and then take it out on the last day of the, uh, of the 10th year, uh, 10 years from the date of your death, and income tax-free. So that's pretty sweet. Now, uh, th- there's some other things as it relates to seniors who want to think about converting regular retirement accounts to Roths. And of course, I would encourage people to talk to their financial advisors and CPAs about doing that. Because one of the experiences I have with um, whether to do that or not is that there are tons of seniors who um, should be taking more of their retirement account uh, than their required distribution because uh, I, I always look at their tax brackets and look at their tax return to determine how much room they have within their tax bracket. And it's frequently I will see that they could take twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 more out of their retirement accounts at a 10 or 12% tax bracket, sometimes 22. But the, the bottom line is they could take more money at that same tax bracket, and they're never going to be lower than that tax bracket. And that's the thing that a lot of folks don't realize, that they could take more than their required distribution and and convert it to Roth if they don't need the money, convert it to Roth. If they need the money, fine. But if they convert it to Roth, then they're paying taxes at a lower tax rate. And when they take it out, there's no income tax, and it can grow income tax-free. So very important tax shelter that any of us can use. That's great advice. And if you need to schedule an appointment with Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's a wonderful way to do that. You can also find information about Bill's free webinars. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, or if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, Bill has two free webinars that he hosts every month. The next set of webinars are happening on Wednesday, September 14th. You can register and attend for free. Go to WGALaw.com. Dot com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander and we'll be right back.
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill, his webinars, and to schedule an appointment with him. It's a wonderful way for you to interact with Bill and learn more from him, WGALaw.com. We're talking all about tax shelters this morning. We've discussed health savings accounts, Roth IRAs, and retirement accounts in general, and Bill, we are now shifting the focus to whole life insurance. Well, let's just say life insurance because it's an important discussion. A lot of folks don't think of life insurance as an investment, but frankly, it can be a very important tax-sheltered investment. Now, uh, frankly, uh, every young couple... Um, first should have term insurance. Term insurance is very inexpensive life insurance because young couples buy homes. They have large mortgages typically on a home. They have other debt for cars and, and just everything else, if you will, some credit card debt. Uh, and uh, a death, uh, particularly if they have young children, Um, really is a significant tragedy for a young couple. And so, yes, those folks need life insurance to protect the real risk of early death. Uh, in order to replace income, to pay pay the, the debt on the house and to pay the cars off so that the spouse can still make uh, make things work for uh, not only the spouse, but for the children, particularly if they're minor children. So yes, that's important, but that's not an investment. Uh, that's a necessity. Okay. But, uh, but let's say, okay, so now you've got that term insurance in play. And see, the other thing about it, term insurance is even though it's really important to have, uh, I mean, you can think of it just like having homeowner's insurance on your home just to protect it from uh, from uh, a, a tragic loss. But the fact is, whether it's term life insurance or homeowner's insurance, it's about the same risk. I mean, it, it, it's infinitesimal that the probability of your dying early uh, you know, term life insurance only pays out about 1% of the time because it expires. And, and in most cases, it expires at age 70 or 75. And most people live way beyond that. Uh, if they So if they have term insurance uh, at that age and they die early, then yes, it pays. But in terms of the, the reason it's so cheap is because companies don't have to pay out very often, only about 1% percent of the time and that's that's the reason it is inexpensive to decay now whole life insurance of course or universal life insurance which is sort of a mix between the two if that's the best way to explain it um uh, it does cost more money and obviously whole life is more expensive than any other type of policy but one advantage i mean now with any kind of life insurance it should be purchased with a historically strong life insurance companies. There's plenty of fly-by-night companies out there that people should avoid, but the fact is there's some very strong life insurance companies that should be considered. And one of the nice nicest things about whole life insurance, for those folks who can afford it, 
uh, and they've already got their term insurance in place, is the fact that with a good company, if the economy is relatively uh, good, then it should pay for itself in about 15 years. If the economy's really good, it might pay for itself in less than 15. If you have a few bad years in there, which is not uncommon, it might take a few more years. Uh, But the fact is, is that after about 15 years, the uh, dividends from the policy pay for the policy. And then you don't have to pay premiums anymore, and you still have the insurance for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter if you live to be 95, it still pays out. So that is, uh, now, life insurance, like a Roth, you have to pay income tax prior to paying, in other words, on money. In other words, it's after-tax money that is paid uh, for life insurance policies. And that's true whether it's a business policy or a family policy or a second-to-die policy, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's after-tax money that is paying for it. But once you pay the premium, what is inside the policy grows income tax-free. And, of course, there's a death benefit that pays upon death. But there's, with particularly with a whole life policy or a universal that grows a lot of cash value over time, you can borrow against the policy income tax-free. Uh, and if you pay it back, then it will continue to grow uh, so that you can use it in later years. And actually, whole life policies can be used in many different ways that can help families uh, that um, uh, that people don't think about other than the death benefit. You know, policies can be used as security for a loan. You can borrow against a, a life insurance policy you can, at lower interest rates uh, sometimes. So there are lots and lots of advantages uh, for uh, a life, ins- particularly whole life or well-constructed universal life policies. Um, so yes, it is a tax shelter. It isn't. It should be thought of as an investment, and it's helpful. Now, it's all. There are also. I talk about at times life insurance policies. Uh, that uh, typically are universal type policies where parents and grandparents can set up a policy for a young child, generally somebody that's under five or six or at least under eight or nine years old, but the earlier the better. So a one-year-old gives you a much better policy. But those policies are not, you're, you're not buying them for death benefit, you're buying them for cash value buildup. So they're actually constructed that way as an investment for that young child. And it makes for a great retirement benefit for that child because it has generally 70 years to accumulate uh, in a big way. And so those are really cool investments for families to make as well. And I'm a real advocate. Uh, Now, I know I'm getting close. There is one, uh, there's some other things I want to talk about as it relates to that too. We will get to that. We have to take a short break. Don't forget, go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill. Register for his free webinars, WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we went a little bit long, so we're going to have to pick up this conversation next week. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to register for Bill's free webinars. If you want to attend the webinars happening on Wednesday, September 14th, go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page or call 919-256-7000. That'll do it for us today. We hope you will join us again next weekend. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.